And hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. Great to have you with us once again. This is John Leahy, and uh, thanks for stopping in. I want to thank my guest from last week. We had some great baseball talk with Josh Carey, who, as uh, many of you know, is the grandson of former Chicago Cubs broadcaster Harry Carey and the son of Atlanta Braves Hall of Fame broadcaster Skip Carey. Uh, Josh was with us last week. We had some great baseball talk, uh, some great memories, uh, strolled on memory lane, and uh, that's available if you'd like to check it out. I'd also like to remind you that we have a website for the podcast. You can check it out. It's at LeahyStorytelling.com. That's L-E-A-H-Y Storytelling.com. Every episode we've ever done is on the website, and uh, there are ways that you can interact with me, whether it be leaving me a voicemail. Uh, there's a purple microphone at the bottom of each page. There's also a rating system. You can rate uh, shows as you listen to them. You can give them uh, for anywhere from one to five stars, or maybe it's even zero to five stars. And uh, there's also a way for you to write a little uh, dialogue in there. Uh, if you'd like to leave a written review, too. So I encourage you to check that out, LeahyStorytelling.com. And uh, we're going to move on here in the podcast this week. We're going to be speaking with a former colleague of mine. Uh, she was the former head coach at Merrimack College. Uh, she coached the women's basketball team there. She has since branched off and uh, done a lot of work in a lot of different areas uh, along the lines of uh, being a, an analyst, for uh, basketball broadcast, and she's also in the coaching industry. We have, a lot, we have a lot to talk about this week. Joining me on the line is Helen Williams, former basketball coach at Merrimack College. And uh, Helen, I'm really looking forward to uh, this episode. Thanks so much for being with us today. Well, John, I appreciate it. I always loved working with you when I was at Merrimack, and uh, really happy to be here. Well, we're uh, very delighted to have you, Helen. And, uh, you know, there's so much we want to get to uh, on the podcast. Uh, today and uh, I thought I'd start start with uh, a subject that I guess is very near and dear to your heart. You're you're involved with the coaching industry, athletic coaches, and uh, you're the CEO of a venture called uh, Coach. Uh, let's see, that's uh, a coach for the coach, and uh, basically it's a sort of a playbook for the coaching profession. And uh, tell us uh, all about that, how you got into it, and how it works. Well, you know, uh, and thank you for mentioning that. Um, I started a coach for the coach because um, when I got out of coaching, uh, first of all, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And second of all, when I went back and looked at some of the things, uh, you know, looked over my career, I thought, you know, there were so many things that I could have done better. Um, I wasn't a terrible coach and, and had great you know, relationships and enjoyed my work. But I thought I had thought about some of the things that I could have done better that would have um, made for an even better experience for the players that I coached. And so that really stuck with me in terms of um, I, I don't think that coaches take enough of an academic approach to their career. Right. Um, we are, um, you know, the old school is you, you play the sport and then you go into coaching and you coach the way that you were coached, which might not always be the best way. Right. Um, right. And so what what I thought about was, you know, we as coaches, we look at our players and we evaluate their strengths and their challenges and we give them a workout and we expect them to, to, to be accountable for doing that workout and come back after a specified amount of time better than they were when they left. Right. Yep. And so yep. 
why are we not doing that as coaches, uh, trying to figure out, first of all, why you're coaching? Uh, you know, why did you get into the business? Um, because that's going to inform uh, quite a bit in terms of the, your career trajectory. Uh, but then also, um, you know, the, the subject matter expertise, the X's and O's, is, is sort of a given, right? You're not going to, to uh, be a good coach if you don't know your sport. Right. And so most coaches are, you know, apt to uh, spend a lot of time going to clinics and getting better. And, and not that that's not important, but when you are impacting young people literally for the rest of their lives and exponentially the rest of the world by how that young person walks through the world, um, you need to get that right. You, you don't need to be perfect, but you do need to get that right. And so that means that you have to, as a coach, be self-reflective, self-aware, and be honest with yourself and you know, be more mindful, more planful, and more strategic with your career so that you can have the impact that you want to have on the kids. So that's kind of where a coach for the coach came from, where we're helping people be better at what I think are three major things, which is leadership, management, and communication, you know, in those areas and to take more of an academic approach to your career and study coaching. Like we, I, I teach a class at Georgia state that I developed for them. It's called analysis of sport coaching. Mm -hmm. And we actually talk about what it means to coach you know, what is it that you need to be doing? How do you need to be developing yourself? How do you need to be developing, you know, your athletes and your staff? And we talk about the profession, what it actually means to be a coach. Um, and, and I thought about all the other industries, you know, you look at medicine and engineering and any other thing, they're always, there's, there's always required continuing education. You, you have to pass a class periodically to, to keep your license. Yep. And so why are we not taking that approach to coaching? So that's kind of where a coach for the coach came from because coaches need coaches too. And that's how I came up with the title. So um, when a coach goes through your program, how do you evaluate uh, whether a coach is successful? Is there a grading system? Does it depends on uh, wins and losses? Uh, how do you, how do you evaluate uh, the, su the success level of a coach? Oh, we don't we don't do the win losses thing. That's not my job. All right. <laughs> um, what we do is we sit down and we do what I said earlier. We look at your challenges and your weaknesses. We talk about uh, and your strengths, and we talk about what it is you you're trying to do. Um, one of the things that I used to tell my players all the time is that you're at point A, and you you need to know what your point Z is. What is your end goal, and then my job as a coach was to help them connect the dots between where they were and where they wanted to go. Right. And so we do the same thing with coaches. What is it you want? Do you want to be a head coach? If you do, what level, um, you know, what part of the country do you want to live in? You know, how are you going to, to, to plan a parallel plan with you and your partner, spouse or significant other? What, like we help them develop a bigger picture and once they know where we want to go, then we sort of work backwards. Okay, so if you want to be a head coach, what does that mean? Most of the time it means you need to be an assistant. Okay, how long do you need to be an assistant? Where do you need to be an assistant? What type of school do you want to coach at? So if you have, let's say, aspirations of being the head coach at Harvard, yep. you probably need some uh, background where you've worked at academic institutions. 
You, yep. you probably yep. need a philosophy where it's really important to you that the academic and athletic um, experience for the student is integrated. That, you know, being successful at both, it's not mutually exclusive. So you need to have a plan where you have that academic background, where you've, you've developed relationships. Um, and this is key for, for coaches. I help them understand you know everyone you need to know right now to get where you want to go. Right. The question is, how do you leverage your relationships so that you can reach your end goal? So, so I work with coaches very similarly to the way that they work with their athletes. Great stuff, Helen. Now, uh, you also are involved in a venture called We Move Coaches. You're the CEO of that endeavor. Uh, you're a licensed insurance agent, and uh, you help coaches move from uh, place to place. That's really kind of a unique niche service you provide for coaches, but uh, that, that's such a great thing, isn't it? Because uh, coaches are, are focused on uh, what they're uh, what they need to do in terms of coaching, and, and you kind of help that process move a little easier, don't you? Yeah, I, uh, you know, one of the things that I, again, when you, when I got out of coaching, I was just looking at all these things. One of the things that I wanted to do, I was very passionate about, was making coaches' lives easier. Yeah. Um, and so, obviously, you know, a coach for the coach, and and, and the we move coaches came about because I looked at how many times I moved <laughs> and how hard it was to move. Like universities will give you the funds to move. Yep but they don't actually have programs to help you actually move. And so what does that mean? Anybody that has ever moved knows that it's a daunting task. Oh, and yeah. you have to do that over and over and over again. Um, you know, the, the, the coach in me came out. And so, so what we do is we, first of all, educate our coaches on the moving process mm -hmm. because that's really, nobody knows. They figure you pick up the phone and you call a moving company, you give your information, and okay, you just go with that moving company. Um, but I sort of, again, I, I went into coach mode. I was like, how can I make this easier? So what we've done is the first thing that I did was I got certified with the U.S. Department of Transportation because I wanted my coaches to know that I was serious about this. Yeah. And, you know, there are a lot of unscrupulous people out there, and I wanted to make sure that they knew that I was um, legitimate and valid, um, you know, sort of a seal of approval, if you will. Um, I did not have to do that, but I thought it was really important. Second of all, I went out and I got contracts with different moving companies so that they could fight for your business. Oh, great. Um, so that they could work to get you, obviously, we have discounted rates, but so that they could fight to make sure that they got you as a customer. And it's not always the lowest price, although that's part of it. But one of the things that coaches don't understand is that everybody moves um, after their kids get out of school, whether they're in coaching or not. So from May, let's say from April through August, everybody's moving. If they've got a job somewhere in another state, they're waiting until their kids get out of school, right? And so um, they're all moving at the same time. So by having contracts with moving companies, we um, have availability for you. Um, not just with one, you don't have to worry about a moving company going, well, we can't move you until, you know, September because we're busy and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah, we, we've yeah. got three companies that are fighting for you um, in those areas to make sure that you get what you need in terms of when you move out and you move in. Um, so that's part of it. Uh, I hired one of my former players who uh, just retired from the Army and has moved a gazillion times around the world, mm -hmm. not just the United States. 
And so she gets it, right? I get it as a coach. She gets it as someone that has moved quite a bit. Um, and so I thought that that was important in terms of customer service so that you would know that people had experienced exactly what it is that you're dealing with. Um, and then the final piece was something that I people just really don't pay attention to. Uh, we've partnered with Flex Jobs so that the partner, spouse, or significant other um, of the coach has an opportunity to explore employment options in their new locale. Oh, great. Um, not, every, not everyone has the ability to get their partner, spouse, or significant other a job in the new state. Or quite frankly, they just might be tired of what they're doing yep. <laughs> and might want to do something else. Um and they might want to, you know, they might want a remote career. They might not. I mean, people, um, you know, have different versions of what they need to do. So all of this was because I want to make coaches' lives easier. It's very stressful. Uh, the moving process is very stressful. Yep. And so we, we take that stress out and, and so that you can just go and do your job. Mm. I, I understood the stress with you know, you're, you're starting to, they expect you to be there yesterday yep. and you're expected to just start this new organization. So you, you know, you hit the ground running, somebody needs to take that piece away from you. And so I've always been interested in that. And, um, you know, so we have the ability, you, you said that I had my real estate license. I can, you know, refer real estate agents all over the country. Wow. Um, so that I, we're taking care of you from beginning to end so you can just go and coach and that makes your life easier and it makes your family's life easier in terms of taking um, the stress out of that so it was just something again that I had thought about how can I make coaches lives easier and that's how that's what I came up with yeah that's great and it's something we take for granted you know you you, you, you hear about coaches moving around all the time particularly in college athletics and you, you don't really uh think about that aspect of it too much but boy what a great service that is that's a we move coaches uh, I wanted to talk also Helen uh, about uh, your time as a college basketball analyst now this is a broadcasting podcast per se most of the mm -hmm. topics we talk about are related to broadcasting and uh, I thought it was very appropriate uh, to bring this up because uh, you've done quite a bit of work uh, with uh, college basketball in terms of being an analyst you've worked for ESPN OVC America East Atlantic Sun, you've been on ESPN3, uh, and uh, you also work with Scott Sudikoff, I know, who's, uh, who's a guy who's... Yes. Uh, yeah, Scott, yes. Scott's, been Scott. Scott's been around for a while. <laughs> in fact, he I believe he grew up in the town next to me. So, um, but, but no, that's, that's great. I wanted to talk about your time as a college basketball analyst, and how did your coaching experience help you uh, prepare for the role? Well, um, thank you for that. And, and, and just to put a plug in here for, for, for Scott Sudikoff, we worked together for, I think, four years for the America East and had so much fun. Yep. And he's a, he's, a, he's a great dude, and I'm so happy that he's um, you know, having some success out in the Chicago area now. Um, so one of the things that I had that always grinded on my nerves um, when women's basketball first started – being broadcast was I felt that the uh, players and the coaches weren't getting the broad type of broadcast that they deserved. And, and what I mean by that is coaches work very hard. Their athletes work very hard. And I think that the broadcasters should work just as hard. And so for me, we didn't have enough and still don't have enough former coaches who are doing um, uh, analysis 
And part of why I do it is selfish. Um, I need to be around the game. Yeah. Um, Nothing wrong with that, really, by the way. Yeah, really important for me. Um, so to be able to go and sit there and watch practice and talk to the players and the coaches is just fun for me. Um, I've always told my, my, my athletes, my players, that you should follow your bliss in terms of what you want to do for the rest of your life, and somebody will be crazy enough to pay you for it. Right. And so um, – that to me allows me to be around the game. Um, but also I think it's really important again for the, for the analysts to work hard. So when I go and I watch a practice and I, or I talk to a coach, they know that I've done my homework. I don't ask them stupid questions yeah. <laughs> I, because I don't want to waste their time because I know what's going through their mind. They're trying to figure out how to win this game and, probably somebody's hurt and they're going to have to depend on some kid that's never played before. And, you know, there, there are any number of stresses going through that coach's mind. So I don't want to waste their time with a stupid question. Hmm. So I watch a lot of film um, and I, you know, make sure that I'm very well prepared for the games because that's what the uh, players and the coaches deserve. And all of that though, to me, it's not really work. It's fun. And so I just think it's important. You know, it's important to get a kid's name, right. You know, somebody's, oh, yeah. mom, or da somebody's mom or daddy's watching. Right. <laughs> and so that's the, the bare minimum is to pronounce a kid's name, right. And to know her or his um, skill set, and to know that, you know, maybe last year they couldn't shoot three pointers, but to find out they've been doing X, Y, and Z. And now you come and they're, you know, and he's, you know, shooting a much better percentage and, and, and all those things. And so all of that combined, I think, is just really um, – it's important to have someone in that chair that's been um, in the head coaching chair um, who knows, you know, knows the sport, whether it's basketball, softball, volleyball, baseball, whatever, um, because I don't want to waste a coach's time. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's a great point. You, you touched a little bit on preparation. You mentioned you do a lot of film work. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your preparation technique. Does it in, uh, involve, does it go beyond uh, film work? Uh, tell us a little bit how you, how you go about uh, preparing for a broadcast. Um, the same way I go about, I went about preparing for a game as a head coach. So I'm, you know, I, I watch both teams. Um, I watch what they do on both ends of the floor. Um, I watch all of the players. Um, thank God for synergy. Mm. Um, I'm attached to synergy at the hip. Um, I'm waiting for Synergy to give me an endorsement, by the way, so you can put that out there. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I watch a, a lot of, um, you know, I watch the players and what they do and how it um, is integrated into the system that the coaches are running. And obviously you watch the tendencies and things like that. So, so that I know what to look for when I get to a game. And then I always go, um, travel permitting, I always go to practice the day before a game and the shoot around the day of the game, right. because there's always something for me, something new for me to learn and, and something that, um, I can bring to that broadcast. And the other thing that I do, especially if I'm doing a game that's not power five, I will go to the coach and I literally will say, is there a message that you would like to get out about your program? Cause this is a free recruiting opportunity, right? Right. And not all, uh, not all programs have the money to go out and do this, that, and the other. And if there's a message, something that you want people to know about your program, please let me know. And I will find a way, try to find a way to work it into the program. 
because this is a great opportunity for both teams um, to showcase their programs. And if there's a particular philosophy a coach has, I can talk about it and see how it relates to what's going on on the floor and things like that. So, so that's really important to me, again, to make sure that that coach gets the broadcast that they deserve. Great stuff, Helen. I, I also wanted to touch on uh, the expansion and the importance of women in sportscasting. You know, many months ago we had, I devoted a month to uh, talking about women in sportscasting, and, and I really want to celebrate that. Um, but um, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, about women in sportscasting and, and sort of some of the hurdles that they have to uh, overcome. Is Certainly it's a, it's a tougher ride for, for women in the industry, and I've always been an advocate of, of more women in sportscasting, particularly play-by-play, but uh, how do you see women evolving in this industry? Um, I, I think, first of all, just like anybody else, you have to be prepared. You have to do your work. Um, I think it's important for you to, uh, you know, develop relationships with people so that um, you're not always being told you did a great job. And what I mean by that is um, I'll do a game. Um, you know, I did the NCAA tournament this year and I had a lot of people going, hey, you did a great job. And of course you want to hear that, right? I mean, yeah. Selfishly. However, um, I have a coach. And so I want that coach to look at that game and go, nope. That wasn't right. That wasn't right. You need to do this better. You need to look for that. You need to change this. You need to change that. And so always be willing, just like I tell my coaches when I work with them, you have to evolve and you have to be willing to be coached and and you have to always be looking for uh, ways to get better. Not where you're beating yourself up or anything, but get a look, a critical eye at what you're doing and get someone outside of your circle who's really you know, that's their thing and have them help you get better. So that's part of it. Um, the other thing is, uh, you know, I, I grew up with, with brothers, so mm-hmm. I don't really have a problem with interacting with guys. I, I'll go, you know, right at them, but I just think that it's not just the women that need to evolve. It's the men that need to evolve too. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that's great is that we're getting, <clears throat> you know, we've got this younger generation of men who have grown up seeing their mothers, sisters seeing women do all these wonderful things and so their idea of leadership has changed from when you know guys grew up you know 50 years ago and so um having that piece um change i think is important in terms of evolving and really just understanding you know it used to be well you didn't play the sport so you can't you know you can't coach you can't be a broadcaster there are plenty of men who didn't play sports who are broadcasters and coaches and so why should that be any different you know, um, you know, for the women. Um, so I, I think that's part of it. Just, you know, if that's what you want to do, just keep doing it and keep asking questions until keep asking until somebody tells you yes. Great. You might get a lot of no's, but somebody's going to tell you yes. You just have to hang in there. Uh, until somebody tells you yes. Great stuff. Now, Helen, I want to talk a little bit about your coaching experience. Uh, you've done what uh, athletes, coaches, and to a, to also an extent broadcasters have to do is uh, if you want to be successful and move up, you got to move around. And uh, you've been yeah. you've been in a few places. You were an assistant at Princeton, uh, also the Naval Academy, which uh, which is fascinating. Uh, Very fun. Yeah. Uh, also uh, South Florida, Wake Forest, and they have WMU. Is that Western Michigan? It is Western Michigan, yes. Yeah. So you were an assistant at all those places, and uh, then you came to Merrimack where you got the uh, head coaching job. So tell us a little bit about your experiences, maybe maybe a favorite story, and uh, and how your assistant roles uh, prepared you for the head uh, job at Merrimack. Well, I always uh, – 
always, you know, when I when I graduated from college, my number one goal was to never actually have a job. Like I yeah. didn't want to work. And so I looked around, what do I enjoy doing? What can I do and how can I get paid for it? And so it was coaching because, you know, as a player, even if you're good enough to go to the professional level, at some point you have to, you know, uh, hang up your sneakers. Um, and so at that time, you know, I looked around and said, what are the, and I knew I wanted to be a head coach. I said, what are the men coaches doing? And they were moving around, yep. you know, they were yep. going to different places. And I think it's important to, uh, work for different people because then you can develop your own philosophy. You can draw from a lot of different sources to develop your own philosophy. And, and I didn't want to be, and, and there's nothing wrong if you've you know, been somewhere for a really long time, but I just thought it was really important for me to learn from a lot of different people. Um, I'm always, I'm always curious and always trying to get better. And so that was part of moving around. Um, and so also developing recruiting relationships in all those different places. Um, you know, one of my big things was, you know, I, I grew up in North Carolina and, mm. and I live in the Atlanta area now and I hate cold weather. <laughs> However, <laughs> you see, I lived in Michigan and uh, Massachusetts because I didn't want to turn down a great opportunity just because I didn't like uh, cold weather. Right. So, so I was willing to go to places if it was going to further my career, if it was going to benefit me in terms of my end goal. Um, I don't really have a favorite story per se, but what what I do love is the fact that um, I get to see these kids that I've coached just doing phenomenal things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and I've coached at some wonderful places. Uh, you know, Navy and, and Princeton were two of my favorite places. And to see the things that those kids are doing, they're not kids now, but to see the things that those young women are doing, um, whether it's it's you know, being a featured speaker at the Democratic National Convention or uh, teaching at Top Gun or starting their own business. Um, that's one of the reasons that I got into coaching, because I believe that sports helps us. Um, how should I say this? Celebrate our, you know, our similarities rather than dwell on our differences. Yeah. And I think it teaches all people, but certainly women, um, you know, what you need to do to compete in the world. And, and then that sports piece is just a small part of that. But, but I, I really enjoy that. I had a little bit to do with helping them, you know, develop. And if you look at some of the most successful women in the world, I can guarantee you they either played or still play uh, a sport. And so that was, you know, that to me is my favorite part of, of everything that I've done. And I'll continue to do, the same thing with television. One of my goals is to get to the point where, you know, I can bring other coaches along who want to do television and help um, young women, um, you know, be able to get these opportunities and show what they're capable of. Great stuff. We're talking with Helen Williams. She is a, a college basketball analyst, an educator, a speaker, and an author. The name of this podcast is Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. Please be sure to check out the podcast website at leahystorytelling.com. Uh, Helen, you mentioned uh, this earlier. You're an adjunct <coughs> professor at Georgia State University. What do you teach there, and how did that all get started? Well, uh, I'll be honest with you. One day I was walking around Boston. It was about seven degrees. <laughs> and um, I just had had enough. I'd been in Boston area for 13 years and loved every minute of it. 
um, but I could not shovel another piece of snow, and oh, yeah. I just I couldn't deal with it. And so um, I have a brother who lives here in the Atlanta area, and he had been trying to get me to move down here for years. And that day, when it was seven degrees, and I was walking to the tee, I was like, "That's it, I'm done. <laughs> I'm moving to Atlanta." So this was about 2000. 18 when i made that decision and um and so i'm a i'm a planner i don't just arbitrarily do things and so i started putting together a plan and i had started teaching um and i still do um uh, teaching at bunker hill community college and also at fisher um just because i to me teaching is coaching and so i still have an impact on young people um and so i actually just got in touch with um you know the people at georgia state and i said hey um I'm moving down to Atlanta and, um, I've taught these classes, you know, would you have any openings? And, and, and this is where I, uh, I'll preface this with, I always tell people that just because something doesn't exist, doesn't mean that it can't be creative for you. Right. And so I said, Hey, I'm, I'm coming down to, you know, look for places to live. Would you mind if I stopped by and we had a conversation? <clears throat> so I stopped by, we have a conversation. It turns out, that they wanted to have a class on coaching, but there was no one to develop that class. Mm-hmm. And as we're talking, she goes, well, would you want to do it? And I said, yes, <laughs> absolutely. And so I developed the class. And um, it is a, a wonderful class where I, I I take the same approach that I did when I was coaching. I'm, I'm really teaching life lessons. Selfishly, I hope some of these young people you know, would like to go into coaching because we need good people in coaching. Yep. Um, and on the very first day, I make everybody introduce themselves and say why they're in the class. And it's okay if you say, I'm in this class because I need to graduate. I'm fine with that. And that happens. You know, there, there are some kids that are curious about coaching, some car- kids that are curious about um, careers in coaching that might not actually be on the floor, right, uh, in athletics. And so we, we talk about all that, but but I'm really trying to help them grow during the semester that I'm working with them so that they can reach whatever goal it is. So we do public speaking, which they hate, but by the end of the semester, it's a very nurturing environment. They're very happy that we did it because we, you know, we give them the opportunity to get all the crap out while they're in class. Yeah. <laughs> so when they go and they're out in the real world, you know, we're teaching them these skills um, where they can be successful. So I take the same approach that I did when I was, you know, coaching a, uh, a basketball team is I'm, I'm here to help these kids grow. And uh, we, we talk about current events, you know, there's always something going on in athletics. So this semester, we'll talk a lot about the, the NIL and we'll talk about, you know, um, you know, what's going on with um, mental health with athletes and, and coaches salaries and, um, you know, conference um, uh, changing and whatever is happening at that time. That's what I really enjoy about that class is we're able to have substantive discussions about it. And I'll tell you, these kids today are really smart and I really enjoy the time that I spend with them. And they always teach me something, um, which is my goal too every semester. All right. That's great stuff, Helen. Uh, a couple of other notes I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, you've been involved as a career consultant with uh, Renaissance, uh, Renaissance Search and Consulting, and also a venture called C- uh, the Williams Global Enterprises, LLC, a CEO of that. Uh, give us a little background on, on those uh, entities. 
Well, yes. Well, the search firm is just an extension of me working with coaches. Um, I am in charge of their uh, uh, career, their career development. And so uh, this particular search firm, Renaissance Search and Consulting, um, specializes in um, diversity hires. And so one of the things that Herb Courtney, the, uh, the CEO, and I talked about was, yes, it's great. That, you know, we can, you know, we can find people. Um, for these athletic directors who are looking for coaches. But we also want to make sure that if we recommend somebody that they're prepared. And so we have a career institute where we, um, you know, talk about resumes, do mock interviews, and, and, and things uh, that they're going to need to be proficient at so that if her puts forward their name as a potential candidate, he feels comfortable, you know, that they're, they're ready to go. And, and even if uh, he doesn't put forth their name. The work that we do with coaches uh, help them get uh, jobs because they get recognized by other, um, you know, other search firms. So again, following my passion to make sure that coaches are, you know, prepared for the opportunities that they want. Um, and then the Williams Global Enterprise is really the umbrella company for all the things that I do. We move coaches to coach for the coach, um, you know, the television because I am very passionate again about making coaches' lives easier. So how can I do that, you know, with the moving company, with the coaching, with the media? How can I make coaches' lives easier, um, look at the things that I didn't have when I was a coach um, to make their lives a lot less stressful? And to be honest with you, my mother used to tell me, um, she'd go, Helen, I got five checks coming in. I'm like, Mom, what are you talking about? <laughs> and she, she goes, I got five checks coming in every month. And what she was trying to explain to me was uh, the benefit of multiple streams of income. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. Which having which the pandemic, I think, uh, really drove home for a lot of people. Um, and so it's just a philosophy that uh, that I've grown up with. And everything that I do has to do with my passion for sports and coaching. It's all connected. So it may seem like a lot, um, but the timing of, of the uh, each entity is ramped up at a different time of the year. So I'm not always doing, you know, two things at once. I'm working on a different part depending on the time of the year. And uh, again, could, could potentially be working with a coach in three different areas, but, but that's kind of where Williams Global Enterprises um, came from. And I wanted, you know, young women in, in, in general to see that you can just because something doesn't exist, doesn't mean it can't be created. And you might be the one to, um, to create it. I've always told kids that, you know, you have a gift that the world needs that only you can give. You just have to, you know, figure out what it is and, and go for it. Awesome, Helen. I wanted to also talk to you about uh, your publication. It's called Coach Like a Mother, a Guide for the 21st Century uh, Sports Coach. Uh, tell us about that book and uh, where people can uh, get a hold of it. Yeah, that was like a long essay of, of things that I wish I had known, <laughs> you know, uh, before I got into coaching and as I was coaching. It was just really an observation of the things that you needed to do to become a good coach, um, whether you're an assistant coach, a head coach, the things that I had experienced and just the things that I've seen in terms of trends of, of the coaching profession in general. Um, and I, I really felt like it was something that if, if I were going to coach, um, then I would read this book and, and know what I was getting into <laughs> for lack of a better way to explain it. <laughs> right. Um, and, and I mean that in a positive way. Um, but also, you know, everybody is a coach. If you're in charge of someone, 
you're a coach, if you're if you're a CEO of a business, if you're a supervisor, manager, if you're a teacher, if you're a parent, everyone is a coach. And I tell my 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 students this, you're going to be in charge of someone. So you're going to be a coach. And so a lot of the themes that I um, talk about in the book are applicable to teaching and parenting and just running an organization. And I think that, you know, oftentimes, um, you know, business people will have me come in and speak because there are a lot of things that athletics, people in athletics just do naturally, that a business just, it's it's foreign to them. Yeah. You know, like, like yeah. for instance, I, I was a walk-on at Wake Forest. I never played, John. In fact, I can remember every point I ever scored, which tells you how much <laughs> I did not play. That's pretty but, impressive. <laughs> I'm sure you scored a lot, too, by the way. Um, but the experience for me, being that last person on the bench, you know, where the coach is looking down the bench, and then he sees me and just turns his head and goes, never mind. Oh, right? wow. Um, mm. uh, and I don't mean that. I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious here. But, um, you know, how valuable what he did, though, and what she did. I had two coaches. They still made me feel valuable. Even if yeah. he, even though I wasn't the best player on the team, I was good enough to make the team. But had I been coaching the team, I wouldn't have played me either because you're you're you need to win, right? You're going to play people that that help you win. Right. But right. but, but that, that experience taught me, which again is pretty inherent in athletics and should be, that everyone has value. Everyone needs to know that you feel that they have value and that they can contribute. And so when I talk to businesses, I'm like, it's really important for you to know, to help people understand that whatever their job is, is contributing to the big picture. And it's really important. There is no technically top down um, right. there. I really admire people who do jobs that, you know, people just take for granted until they're not there. Right. Then all right. of a sudden they realize how important that job is. Well, you should have known before how important that job is and you should have known before what that person's name is and maybe that their kid plays basketball and they had a game last week, you know, and, and that's just being intentional. And so um, those are the kinds of things that, you know, I, I talk about in the book It's just that whole experience for me, just uh, making sure that everyone feels valued and that their contributions matter is what coaching is. If you want to get your organization to uh, help your organization be successful, your people have to buy in. Um, and there are many ways that you need to be intentional and genuine um, about helping them buy in. Okay. And where can folks uh, access these, this publication? So they can just DM me on Twitter at a coach for the coach, or they can email me at HMWSC at outlook.com and and we can take care of them great stuff helen i want to touch on the new podcast you have coming up you're going to be launching a podcast uh on the first of july so welcome to the podcasting world uh <laughs> i wanted to get a sense of uh, what you'll be covering on the podcast and uh, how people can uh, access it yeah so i um uh am a very curious coach and so I basically said, how can I uh, put something together where I can satisfy my curiosity and also, um, you know, help coaches? And so I thought, why don't I just call all of my friends? Um, and, you know, over years of, of being in the business and get them to be on my show 
And then I can um, help coaches get better and satisfy my curiosity at the same time. And so I started out uh, with a YouTube channel and um, wanted to make sure that, you know, I, I picked subjects that were relevant, um, that, that were important for, uh, you know, coaches to, you know, for coaches to help them get better. And so that's really um, what that's all about. And I thought, you know, a podcast is a, is a great way. Obviously, um, you know, that's that's what people do now. They do podcasts. And um, it, it's just another way, especially if you're, you know, if you're if you're driving, you know, somewhere um, and you have a little time and, you know, you want to you want to get better as a coach. Um, but there are also some things in there that, you know, like I said, there's um, things that are applicable to just your normal um, life business. Everybody, everybody is a coach. And so making sure that, um, you know, they understand, you know, these are some things that might help you get better um, as a coach. These are some things that might help you be um, a better teacher, um, you know, a a better, a better parent, um, you know, those kinds of things. So, um, it's going to be on Spotify. It's going to be on, um, Google. It's going to be on, um, hang on here. Let me check. There's a couple other, uh, outlets that it's going to be on, but those are the two, you know, two, two big ones. Um, they can find that or they can just go to my, um, you know, LinkedIn profile or, or my, um, you know, my, uh, uh, what am I trying to say here? Twitter. <laughs> they, can, they can go to my um, Twitter account and see, uh, you know, where it's, it's going to be. But it's going to be um, uh, a lot of different places. And I'm, I'm excited about it um, because it'll be something that it's just, again, it's, it's my curiosity and things that I am. Um, I'm still trying to get better as a coach. Um, I, I know that there are things that I can do as well. Um, and so I'm just still trying to get better. It's just a way for me to help other coaches get better. That's great. I, I hope it's also going to be on Apple as well because that, that's a popular platform, and uh, I know there's a lot of great podcasts on there too. But I will definitely uh, subscribe. And uh, you're going to be launching that July 1st. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, we're really, uh, really excited about it. Um, it'll be, uh, you know, a, a weekly um, a weekly podcast, and, and obviously people can go on and subscribe. And then, um, you know, when they have time, just like I, I, you know, when I have a free moment here, listen to a little bit here, free moment, listen to a little bit there. Um, you know, today's world, you have to, you have to catch people, you know, where they are yeah, um, yeah. and, 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 and meet them where they are. So, um, to me, that was, uh, that was really important. That's great, Helen. Uh, wrapping it up here uh, in just a few moments, uh, I also wanted to touch on your love of public speaking. Uh, uh, tell us how uh, that uh, came uh, to be and, and how uh, enjoyable that is for you. Well, I think that that's one of the things that people hate to do. Um, and my, um, I always, one of my philosophies is you should always do something every once in a while that scares you. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, that became also part of, you know, as a coach, you're constantly speaking in public, right? You're always uh, speaking to groups and, um, you know, uh, whether it's fundraising, whether it's um, recruiting or whatever, you're always uh, speaking in front of groups. And so I, I just felt like just like anything else, 
um, you know, I need to get better at it. So actually when I was at Merrimack and I was a head coach, I ended up uh, taking a, uh, becoming part of a Toastmasters group because I wanted to learn how, how to speak. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was a great experience. And obviously the more you, you know, you do it, the, you, you hope the better you get. And so it's, it's helped me with uh, things like this, the podcast, it's helped me with, you know, the television work that I do. And, and, and when I go, uh, you know, speak for businesses, it's also very helpful. And just like anything, the more you do it, the more reps you get, the better you're going to be at it. Yeah, I know all about Toastmasters. My wife uh, is deeply into that, and she's won multiple okay. she's won multiple awards in that. Uh, so, yeah, that's a great organization. Uh, it really helps you polish your speaking skills. So I highly uh, recommend that. Uh, last thing here, Helen, uh, NBA Finals. Yeah, we're kind of interested <laughs> in it up here in Boston. Uh, Celtics fell behind 3-2 in the series to Golden State. Uh, what do they need to do to, first of all, win game six and then uh, force a game seven out in San Francisco? I mean, it's just like anything else. You know, defense wins championships. So, you know, part of it's effort, part of it's strategy, and um, and then the other part is belief. So, you know, it's not one specific thing. I think it's all three of those things. I think the fans in Boston are just awesome, and, and they're, uh, you know, they're – they don't go to work the next day if their team loses. I mean, that's how invest- invested they are. Um, but, but I think that's obviously a benefit, you know, to the players. But um, I think understanding that every possession counts. Right. Right. So as a, as a coach, you are looking at something and, and, and the players are going, well, it was just my turnover, my bad. But the cumulative effect of everybody saying it was just my turnover, my oh, bad, yeah. Oh, yeah. becomes, yeah. you know, an insane amount of turnovers. And every team in the NBA on, on the professional level, they're going to capitalize on those turnovers. So oh, yeah. you know, t- yeah. taking care of the basketball and, um, you know, adhering to the strategy if you're the player, being um, adaptable with the strategy if you're the coach, I think is, you know um, – which is key. Um, so I know that neither team is taking either team for, for granted. And, um, you know, there's something to be said for Golden State and their experience, uh, you know, in this environment. It's something they've done several times before. So they, they get it. But not everybody, you know, on that Boston team um, has had that experience, which doesn't mean that they can't win. But, right, but right. Know, that, that's important. Yeah, the two things that stuck out to me were, first of all, turnovers. It, it's been a problem for the Celtics the last couple of games, and they missed a lot of shots in that uh, ball game, particularly in the first half, and uh, also hitting your free throws. You know, you you combine yeah. you combine They're those. Free. Th- yeah, free. you know, you you combine those things, and uh, against a great team like Golden State, you're going to be behind the eight ball. Now, credit to the Celtics for uh, battling back uh, in Game Five last night and having a great third quarter, but. Uh, Golden State, they're they're a team that knows how to win, so uh, it's going to be interesting at the Garden for Game 6. For sure, and I I can't wait to watch it. Well, Helen, uh, we're out of time, but I want to thank you so much for uh, stopping by. It's always great to reach out and talk to you. We had had some great times at Merrimack, and uh, I enjoyed uh, having the opportunity to talk to you then, as I do now. Very excited for your podcast. I look forward to uh, keeping up with you down the road. Best of luck with everything. We'd love to have you back on the podcast in the near future. John, anytime. Like I said, I enjoyed working with you, and I'm really uh, excited for you and your success of this podcast as well. So thank you for having me. 
Outstanding. Uh, Helen Williams has been our guest, analyst, educator, speaker, and author. We thank her very much for stopping by. We invite you to be with us again next week. We'll have another episode of Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. We invite you back, and we'll talk to you then. So long, everybody. Mitochondrial disease is a rare multi-symptom disease characterized by breakdowns in the mitochondria, which are specialized compartments that are present in every cell of the body except red blood cells and are responsible for creating more than 90% of the energy needed by the body to sustain life and support growth. A disease most commonly associated with children, currently there is no cure, just management of symptoms. Hugs for Mito Inc. is mitochondrial disease, rare disease advocacy, awareness, fundraising for research trials, and hopefully a cure. To learn more, please visit hugsformito.org.